You did what to who? Well, you can hug anytime you want. There's room for hugging Calvary Chapel Buell. You're welcome. Hey, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 4 tonight. So as we look at this section, I just want to remind you kind of where we're at so we don't lose sight of the whole book, okay? So Proverbs, first 10 chapters of the book of Proverbs is called the Discourses of the Father to His Son. So these are our series of lectures or discourses, however you want to look at it, that are presented uh, from the tone of a father speaking to his son, challenging, encouraging his son to walk in wisdom. Now when we look at wisdom, again, in the first ten chapters of the book of Proverbs, you will see wisdom personified three times. Each time wisdom is personified, some people struggle with the concept because wisdom is always spoken of in the feminine. She, her, she'll take care of you. That's because the word wisdom, Sophia, is only possible to say in the feminine tense. So when wisdom is used, the, the pronoun always used with wisdom, because wisdom is uh, in, the, in, in, the, in the Greek and in the Hebrew, uh, a feminine tense. So as a result, it's always spoken of as her. But when we look at those personifications, you're going to see wisdom described as being able to save, being able to deliver, being able to do all the things that we see that Jesus Christ is able to do. And so what we recognize in those personifications of wisdom that, that we saw already once in, uh, I think it was chapter 2, I know again in chapter 8 and again in chapter 9, we'll see them, those descriptions. The greatest of them, certainly pointing to Christ, is Proverbs chapter 8. So we're halfway there. But as we work our way there, what I want to encourage you to see, this call for wisdom in the book of Proverbs is bigger than the call to being intelligent, smart, knowing what to do with knowledge, knowing how to make right choices. It is a call to submitting to the God of the universe and following His direction, His plan, His purpose. Let's take a look at it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 4, we'll read the whole chapter, see how far we get. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said to me, Let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom. Get insight. Do not forget. Do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. For she will keep you, love her, and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. That's the first of three discourses here in Proverbs chapter 4. The second one is from verse 10. Uh, through verse 19. It goes like this. Hear my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. For I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. 
Do not enter the path of the wicked and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on, for they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter until the fullness of day. The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. That's the second discourse. Third discourse is from 20 to 27. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them. Healing to your flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence for from it flow the springs of life. Put away your crooked speech. Put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. Your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the left or to the right. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just lift this to you. God, we pray that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would open our eyes to the truth of your word. God, help us not to to lose sight of the call in the book of Proverbs as we hear a father crying out for his son that his son would in all of his getting get wisdom lord we ask your blessing and anointing in this time as we give you praise in jesus name amen all right so we begin the first discourse of three in this chapter a father's call to his son to get wisdom we've been hearing this call for four chapters now what we're going to hear in this one that's a little different is the fact that this call for wisdom, for instruction or insight, which is all uh, moral uprightness, that's the word that's being used for it, that this call that is given is a traditional call. In other words, it's something that's being passed down from father to son. That he learned from who? His father, right? That his father passed down to him. And there's a lot of things you want to glean from that. For example, in the Torah, in the book of Deuteronomy, God commanded that the fathers were to instruct who? Their children. Teach these things to your children. In the great Shema, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, we look at the, the hero Israel, the Lord your God. He is one God, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? Love the Lord your God, and you shall... Teach these things that I have commanded you, these precepts to your children when they stand up, when they lie down, when you walk in the way. The idea is that instruction, instruction in wisdom, the primary place where that is taught is the home. Not the church, not the Sunday school. If you do that, that may be good, but if it's not at home, it's not going Home is the primary place. Look what he says in, in Proverbs 4, 1. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. Again, that's the word. Insight, discipline, in, in, moral, in a moral walk. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. 
When I was a son with my father, tender in the sight of my mother, he taught me and he said, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. So the beginning of the very first discourse, he alludes to the fact that I learned these things from my father. That this is a tradition that we pass down through our family. And it's never too late to see that tradition established. Maybe in your life that wasn't how it was at home. Maybe it wasn't something taught to you by your father or, or by your mother. But when we look at the challenge, the scripture doesn't say for us to sit around, uh, make a special safe place where we can comfort ourselves because that's not how we had it. And just buck up and realize that now you can make it that way in your family. Now you can teach your children. Now you can express those things, not only to them, to your grandchildren, that this is a part of our walk. And the idea, the concept that he lays out here, he's saying, don't forsake my teaching. Receive it. Take it. The instruction requires that someone receives, someone takes Oftentimes, we, we don't understand that's the same way with salvation. Salvation, there must be a response to the gospel. That response to the gospel, there, there ought to be a response. There is a taking, there is a receiving. What's he saying here? Don't forsake my teaching. Lay hold of it, grab it, make it part of your life. This is, this is what uh, wisdom is called to. Help us understand and comprehend then he moves to the second part of verse 4 on through verse 9 to lay out for us the benefits look at those he says uh, at the end of verse 4 keep my commandments and what and live now here's what this there's a distinction that god's going to give us throughout the book of proverbs and throughout the bible and that is that there are two paths that you can go by right there was uh a band that sang one of the most famous songs on earth that has that line in it, right? There's two paths you can go on. There's always time to change the one you're on. I'm sure none of you guys know, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. But if you go into a guitar shop in the first three seconds, someone will play it on a guitar. Oh, see, now there you go. But then, my point in it is, is this, this idea. The Bible teaches two paths, life and death. Life and death. That's, a, that's the way God draws a line. And uh, on Tuesday morning, we, we discussed this a little bit when we were looking at Ezekiel. But one of the things that I talked about was this idea that the Bible teaches us that God is transcendent. He is above us, right? His thoughts are not our thoughts. His thoughts are what? Higher, okay? So just, just think in terms of the physical world that you're here on the flat ground and God has a high view. He can see where you're going. He can see where the, where the road leads. Yes? And because He can see all of those things, because He's transcendent, because He knows it all, because He understands it all, He and only He is the one who is able to say, this is the way to life. And that is the way to death. It's not my job to argue with him. It's not my job to say, why is it that way? Why is that not my job? Because I'm down here. Can I see what God sees? What about this? Can I know what God knows? Do I have all understanding? Can I understand all wisdom? All, all Do I have it all? No. Who does? Oh, so I should listen to him. If he says, this is the way to life, my response... Is yes, Lord. 
and I walk the way He directs me to walk. Where do I find that? Where do I find the path of life? Where is it that He shows that to me? It's in the Word, isn't it? In the Word of God, He directs us. He gives us, I've shared with you before as we've gone through Proverbs, if you remove God from the equation, all you're left with is absurdity. You have no foundation for morality apart from God. At least with God, I can say, God is my foundation for morality. If you take God out of the equation, you're the foundation for morality. And what makes you better than somebody else? And what if their idea of morality is different than your idea? Then where does it go? Who decides? Well, in the past, you know how we decided? Might makes right. The biggest dude makes the rules. Right or wrong? That's right. And apart from God, I have no ability to point to someone else and say, that is not morally acceptable. No matter how many votes I have behind me. But with God, I can say, man, God's word says, that road you're on leads to death. And I want to walk the path of life. That's why God gives us the moral code, the moral understanding of where it is that God wants us to walk. So look, we see this idea, receiving wisdom brings life. Does that remind you of something that Jesus does? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the... No man comes to the Father except by me. Does receiving Jesus give you life? Receiving wisdom brings life. Choosing life, therefore, means obeying God's direction. Obeying God's direction. That is what choosing life is all about. Just pause for a minute in Proverbs. Maybe we never get back to it. We're going to go to Deuteronomy chapter 30. And we're going to read this idea that I'm trying to help you see that is a part of the fabric of the Word of God all the way through. From Genesis to Revelation. This is a part of the fabric. A part of the fabric is God declaring to His people, Hey, 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 follow me. Follow me. Now, if we go all the way back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 2, God created them, male and female, He created them. Adam and Eve, we have them in the garden, right? God lays out all of creation before them. He gives them a perfect place in the Garden of Eden. And then He declares to them, Hey, Adam, when you get to the stop sign, go left, not right. What? No, okay. Uh, You can eat of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Does Adam have to know why? 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 Why shouldn't I eat that tree? You know, the book of Proverbs is going to declare to us, there is a way that seems right to man, but that road leads to death. God sees it. And He says, when you get there, go this way. What is our response? To obey. If I obey, what am I saying to God? I believe you. I trust you. Oh, I can say, I believe you and I trust you without doing a dang thing. Right? I got the easy part over with. What my action, what, what follows in my actions declares whether or not what I said with my lips is true. Does that make sense? So, Deuteronomy 30, we're looking at the section of the blessings and cursings. I'm just going to read the whole thing, I think. We'll see. And when all these things come upon you, 
the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them the mind among all the nations where the, which the Lord God has driven you, and return to the Lord your God, you and your children, obey His voice in all that I command you today, with all your heart, with all your soul, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes and have mercy on you, and He will gather you again from all the peoples where the Lord your God has scattered you. So the idea we have, I want you to see the picture. Children of Israel are in the Valley of Decision. The priests are on two mountains. On one mountain, they've been proclaiming the blessings following God. If you follow God, all the blessing. The other mountain, they've been declaring over the people all the curses. If you don't follow God, all these bad things are going to happen to you. In other words, there's a road laid out before you. There's two paths that you can take. One of them leads to life. The other one leads to death. So he's saying now... When you get separated. So it's not a question. It was never a question. Will the children of Israel ever be separated from God? Because he's telling them before it ever happened. After you've been separated. And you remember. I should have chose life. If you'll choose life. I'll restore you. Right? You get what I'm saying? In other words, if you get on the road of life, life will come forth from that road. If you get on the road of death and you stay on that road, the only thing that's coming off of that road is death. Okay, so we get an idea of what's going on. He goes on and says in verse 6, And the Lord your God, uh, well, let's back up 5. And the Lord your God will bring you into the land that your fathers possessed, that you may possess it. He will make you more prosperous and numerous than your fathers. In other words, life comes. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and the heart of your offspring so that you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live, the only commandment that God has. And the Lord your God will put all these curses on your foes, the enemies who persecute you. And you shall again obey the voice of the Lord, keep His commandments that I command you today. And the Lord your God will make you abundantly prosperous in all the work of your hand, in the fruit of your womb, in the fruit of your cattle, in the fruit of your ground. For the Lord will again take delight in prospering you as He took delight in your fathers. When you obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep His commandments and His statutes that are written in this book of the law, when you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, for this commandment, that I command you today is not too hard for you. What? Yeah, nope, that's what God said. It's not too hard for you. Neither is it afar off. It is not in heaven that you should say, Who will ascend to heaven and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Neither is it beyond the sea that you would say, Who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you. It is in your mouth. It is in your heart so that you can do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, by loving the Lord your God. What did he just say? If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today, how do we do that? By what? By loving the Lord your God. By loving the Lord your God, by walking in His ways, what's the road? What's His way? What's it lead to? Life. Oh, that's a tough one to pick, right? By walking in His ways, by keeping His commandments, His statutes, His rules, then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession 
of it. Keep in mind, that word keep is the same as the word guard, is the same as the word treasure, is the same as the word value. So he says, are you keeping my commandments? Are you keeping my statutes? Do the things that I've told you matter to you? Do you treasure them? Do you value them? Do you hold on to them? Do you walk in them? Are we clinging to these things that God has given us? He says, Then you shall live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. But if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today, you will surely perish. You shall not live long in the land that you are going to over the Jordan to enter and possess. I will call heaven and earth to witness against you today. I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, do what? Choose life. Sound like you have a choice? Sound like there's a response that we can give? Sounds like there's some way that we should respond to what God is saying to us. What is the book of Proverbs telling us? Choose wisdom. Why? Because wisdom knows the road you're supposed to be on. Wisdom knows where to be walking, where to be going. So, what does the word declare to us? Look in this last section. It says, it says if you love Wisdom, it'll bring security. If we look at Deuteronomy chapter 30, what did it say? How do you obey His commandments? By doing what? Loving God. The Bible makes it really simple, guys. All the commandments of God are broke down into two categories. Love God, love people. The one we do first, love God. Love God. Jesus said all the law and the prophets are signified in these two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. This is the call. This is a commandment. So, we love wisdom. Wisdom being a personification of the second member of the Trinity, God the Son. Wisdom, says, if you love wisdom, he brings security. Look what the word says there in Proverbs chapter 4. Do not forsake her, and she will keep you. Love her, and she will guard you. What is it? You love wisdom, and you'll have security. Love the Lord your God, and you'll have You'll be secure. How do you have security in your relationship with God? Let's make it simple. Love God. Right? Jesus said, abide in me and I abide in you. Abide in me and I abide in you. Man, love God. Love God and that will bring security. Loving wisdom brings honor. Look at the next part. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. What did the scripture say? Jesus said, if I am lifted up, if I am exalted, what will he do? I'll draw all men to myself. If I humble myself in the sight of the Lord, what will he do? He will lift me up. He will exalt. So what's the point? That we exalt wisdom. Exalt her. Love her. Care for her. Value her. Prize her highly. She will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. Again, the concept of loving. If you love, there will be security. If you love, there will be honor. How will she honor you? The next part of the verse. She will place on your head a graceful garland. That's a victor's crown. And she will bestow upon you a beautiful crown. 
beautiful crown. The Bible has something to say about crowns. Doesn't it have something to say about crowns? That he's given the crown of life to all those, Jesus Christ, to all those who have loved his, what? Appearing. All those who have loved his appearing, he's given them the crown, this crown. We hear wisdom used the same way throughout the book of Proverbs. That's why I'm not not saying a hard, fast rule every single time. But certainly as we look at these first ten chapters, the call in the book of Proverbs is to get wisdom. The call for you and I is to get Christ. For in him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. All of them wrapped up in him. We, we need him. And where does that cry come from? It should come from a father to his children. Or from parents to their children. It should be in the home being declared. This is the tradition that should be of and in the home. So the first discourse in this lecture that we see of the father to the son is a discourse about tradition being passed on from generation to generation. Love wisdom. Love wisdom and see what wisdom brings, see what wisdom gives. The second discourse is a call to stay off the wrong path. Stay off the wrong path. How can I stay off the wrong path? Positively, he begins by walking in wisdom. And then secondarily, he will say, don't walk on the path of the wicked. In other words, how many roads are there? Two roads. One leads to life, one leads to death. You can walk wisdom, which goes to life. You can walk wickedness, which goes to death. They're the signposts, the names of the roads that we see laid out before us. Look at verse 10. Hear, my son, accept my words, that the years of your life may be many. Hear what he's saying. Son, walk the road I lay out before you. Why? Because it leads to life. You'll live. None of us parents ever disciplined our children so that they would die. We disciplined our children so they would what? Live. 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 It's all about life. He says, hear my son, accept my words that the years of your life may be many. I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. Do you hear him speaking about this way, the way to walk, the path to take? When you walk, your step will not be hampered. If you run, you won't stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Hold on. Hold on. So what's the call here? Stay on the walk of wisdom. Stay off the wrong path. Walk the straight path. Every time the Bible talks about a walk, it's speaking of practical lifestyle. In other words, this is a way of life, guys. This is a way of life. Following Jesus. When Jesus came to the first disciples and he said, Hey, come follow me. What was he asking them to do? He was saying, change your lifestyle. How do I know that? Because they had to get up and come with him. They were all, what? Fishermen, right? So they leaving boats, leaving nets, leaving work, leaving the things they had spent their life doing for what? To change their lifestyle. What was their lifestyle to be now? Following Jesus. There's a difference, right? Something has changed in their life. The road they walked prior was being a fisherman. Now the road they are walking was being a fisher of men. Yes? It's a, it's, it's a change of lifestyle. 
The Psalms declares the same thing. Psalm 25 says, Psalm 25 verse 8, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He instructs sinners in the way. Okay, let's make that easier to understand. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, He tells us what road to walk on. What did He say to the disciples? Well, they didn't have a lot of questions. Did they come follow me? So what should I do? <laughs> I don't know how to say that easier. Come follow me. Right? Come follow me. Psalm 25, 12 says, Who is the man who fears the Lord? Listen to this. Who is the man who fears the Lord? For him, that man, will he, the Lord God, instruct in the way that he should choose. Doesn't that sound familiar? Deuteronomy chapter 30. I have set before you life and death. Choose. One way leads to destruction. One way leads to life. Choose life. Choose life. Take the path that is laid out before you. This is the cry of the God of the universe who created us, who is above us, who sees where all the paths of life go. And he says to us, choose life. And I say, God... How can I know which way is the way of life? And he says, I've given it to you. It's in your word. But nowadays there's this move across the church to say, you know what? It's not all really for you. You you, you don't need to listen to this part or that part or this part or that part. It says, get rid of all that. And by the time they're done cutting and tucking, you're left with a couple of books that they'll say, okay, these are the ones you should follow. Books that basically have not given you that instruction. Paul, what did Paul say? Paul's a good guy to look at. What did he say to the church? He said, I have not shunned to declare to you how much? The How much of the whole council, right? The whole council. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole council of God. How much of the word of God do we need? Yeah. Beginning to end. Why? Because it shows us the path of life. It shows us the path of life. The reason why God says no to some things and we scratch our head and we say, God, why is, why, why is that bad? Why is that wrong? All God declares to us is, that way is death. This way is life. Trust me. Look, you and I struggle with it just like Adam and Eve did. Adam and Eve came to the tree and they said, why can't I eat the tree? It looks good, smells good, I bet it tastes good. What's the big deal? It doesn't matter what the tree did. It doesn't matter what the tree accomplished. All that matters is that God said, don't do it. That's all that matters. That way leads to death. So when we face those things in life, you know, what most churches do is they, or I won't say most, what many churches do is they'll, they'll come to a time, a time period in the world like today when the world is clamoring and saying, these are archaic ideas in the Bible. There's no reason for us to think this way. Go ahead and eat the fruit. And so some churches are saying, yep, you know, that's cultural. So that's no longer, that's no longer a command. Just, we'll just take that part out. Now, if you were taking a map, I just recently took a trip to Missouri, like a crazy, wild knucklehead. We had to get to Missouri and get back. I had to be back by Sunday, because 
church Sunday. Got to teach on Sunday. So we did it in four days. So it was, it was, so we're going. I think we, I don't I want to say it's 30 hours there. So roughly 15 hours a day. If you split it all up, perfect. Which by the way, we didn't. However, as you're going down the road and I got this, I got, I got my stupid phone giving me directions. Okay, they call them smartphones. That's a lie. <laughs> but I have a stupid phone giving me directions. Now, what if I just decided randomly, here I got a direction saying that I'm supposed to take this turn or I'm supposed to get on this freeway and I just rip that part out and I throw it away. Where am I going to end up? There ain't no guarantee now, is there? I just took some of the directions down. Just because I declared myself to be higher, smarter, than the directions. But the Bible says in Isaiah 55, God is higher. God is transcendent. God is above. And I don't have to understand it all. It is not a requirement. Nowhere do I read in the Bible that I have to understand everything that God tells me to do. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there are a few times when Joshua is going out and he starts to march around Jericho. I'm sure there are some times he was not understanding why he was supposed to do what he was supposed to do. But what did he do? What God said. Ah, and what happened? Life. Right? Life. So the declaration from the word of God is a call from us. Choose life. Take the path laid out before you. Pay attention to the signs. Know that you're walking where you should walk. And allow God to be the ultimate judge. I'm not the judge. I don't get to pick. I just go to the word. And I say the word. Trust me, the things all of us are fighting over are very plain. They're very plain in the word. Like if I says, thou shalt not steal. Is that hard to understand? Do, do we need to buy a special commentary for that or have an understanding of Hebrew or Greek? So we can, can, we can all understand do not steal? Then when, when a storm hits Houston and people go out looting, is it right or wrong? It's not hard. Are they choosing life or death? Is it hard for me to know what road I'm on? I just gotta read the road signs, right? I just gotta read the road signs, man. He says here, you will not stumble if you go this way, son. Follow the path. When you walk, your step won't be hampered. You can go. The path is clear. The path is clear. Get on the path and walk the path laid out for us. The wise are free of debilitating moral obstacles. Why? Because they follow God's direction. If I reject God's direction, that's no longer true. It's no longer true. You will not stumble. So there's four things that he asked us to do. I'm sorry, three things he asked us to do here at the end of verse 10 through 13. Look at it. He says, keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her. Three things. Three things. First, keep hold. That phrase, keep hold, in the Hebrew means take the lifestyle. Take the lifestyle. Stop talking about it. Just do it. What do you mean? Look, I'm fat. I know how not to be fat. It's, it does not take, you know, it's not like, oh, no, I have a special problem that nobody else has. No, that's not true. I'm, look, here's the reality. I'm fat because I want to be fat. 
And I don't care. Don't send me no diets. I don't care. I'm never going to do them. I go to the doctor. doctor says, you need to lose 50 pounds. I said, you need to figure out how to keep me healthy if I don't. Last I checked, he works for me. I'm the one paying him. It ain't the other way. But that's what I see. He can fire me and say, you can't be my patient no more. That's up to him. I'll find another doctor. But that's our, that's our deal. Hey, Jackie, here, well, you'll feel better if you lose 50 pounds. Well, you figure out how to make me feel better if I don't. I'm hiring you, doc. Figure it out. Help me. Now, if I want that, what do I have to do? Change my what? Lifestyle. So the first thing that he declares to us here in, this, in the end of this second discourse, he says, keep hold of, discre- of instruction. Keep hold of discipline, literally is what he's saying. Hold on to dis- discipline, which means your life changes, right? Your life changes. Stop, stop making excuses. Just do what you're supposed to do. Just do what you're supposed to do. Why don't I want to do it? Rebellion, mostly, right? Why don't... People, people are starting to learn around Calvary Chapel Buell. It's kind of funny. Do you, do you guys notice my hairstyle? Wasn't that long ago. Yes, we noticed. What are we going to do? We're going to have a special church meeting to see what we can do about it. I'll tell you, it was a few years ago I started growing a beard. You guys remember that? I finally had to make an announcement. Look, if you really don't want me to grow a beard, stop telling me how much you hate it. I have just enough of a seed of rebellion in me that says, oh, you don't like it? Oh. (laughs) Watch what I do. It's so funny because Kathy Kathy came to me when I got my hair cut. And she she was there, so you guys all talk to her. So she's there, and, and I look at her, and I said, what do you think, honey? And so we've been together a long time. She just looks at me, and she says, whatever you want. Which means she's going to take the path of, of least resistance because eventually she figures if I don't like it, I'll whack it off unless people are saying, man, you look so stupid. Do I really? Okay. You know, I, I don't know. That's that little seed, right? That little, that little seed in me that wants to come against. So look, uh, we know what we should do. Don't we know what we should do? Are we really confused? God, I don't know what God wants me to do. Are we really in that place? Or do we know when, God, when something's wrong? Do we know it's wrong? Come on. We don't, I, don't, I don't have to break down 500 words to say, wow, look at here. The Bible commands me to love my wife. It was funny. I can, I can tell a story on him because he's not in here. Jason had uh, uh well, maybe I can't tell a story. Oh, if it's you guys, it's not his mom. Jason is, is growing in his marriage counseling. And sometimes his marriage counseling goes like this. Look, you know what you're supposed to do. The problem is you don't want to do it. The problem's not communication. The problems you don't, you, we just are bad communication. No, the problem is, you know what you're supposed to do and you don't want to do it. Is that true or not? Yes. That's true. That's true. So, this first warning here in, in Proverbs, what's he saying? Change your life. Commit to the lifestyle. Jesus said, come and follow me. So, go follow him. Right? We, we, I, I heard a guy on the radio yesterday... Uh, I, I won't tell you who he is, but I heard him and he, 
And he, and he was complaining about somebody else who said that you should make sure that Jesus is your Lord and not just your Savior. And he's complaining about that. And I'm thinking, why would you complain about that? What's wrong with it? You really want to proclaim Jesus should only be your Savior and you shouldn't do anything he says? Is that what we want to proclaim? Is that our goal? Really? That's dumb. So if Jesus is my Savior and he's my Lord, and if I want to be on the right road, I'm going to listen to him when he says, come and follow me, right? Do we, can we agree on that? So I want to follow him. I want to go where Jesus is leading me. I want to commit to the lifestyle. How do I know the disciples committed to the lifestyle? How do I know? Because they did what? They followed him. It's crazy how that works. It's crazy. They followed him. The second thing, do not let go. Once you lay hold of Jesus, there is nothing else under heaven by which we may be saved. You lay hold of him and you hold on for all you got. Because that's the only thing that leads to life. Right? Don't let go. Commit to the lifestyle. If we let go, we're going to fall to death. What's the third thing? Guard her. Keep her. Treasure her. Hold her. You'll often hear me say one of the greatest things that I, I like to listen to a lot of guys. So I hope it doesn't shock you guys. I listen to all kind of uh, different preachers. I like John Piper. I don't agree with everything John Piper says, but I like John Piper. One of the things John Piper said that is extremely valuable is that we should treasure Jesus Christ as though he is the greatest thing in our life. And I think that is absolutely 100% completely true. And what this proverb is telling us to do when it says garter. Who do you guard? What do you guard? Do you guard your garbage? If you go put your garbage out on the... I, I knew somebody who guarded their garbage once. Weird. But uh, if you put your garbage out on the street for the garbage guy, if, if this is where, if this is the neighborhood you live in, and you take your garbage out on the street, and the garbage trucks come in, and somebody runs over and opens up your garbage and pulls something out, are you going to call the cops? Call the police, quick, they stole my garbage. As long as they're not putting it back in my yard, I don't care what they do with it. Why? I threw it away. Do I want it? No. What do I guard? The stuff I want, right? What do I guard? The things I treasure. What do I guard? The things I value. Is your relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus Christ, is that the thing that you guard and treasure? Because it ought to be. And if it's not, I'm going to tell you an easy way to fix it. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. Ask God to open your eyes to the value that you have in that relationship with Him. Ask God to help you because everything that we need comes from Him, don't it? My ability to love God with all my heart doesn't come from me. I'm not going to ever be able to work that up. Where's it come from? We sang a song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Is the Holy Spirit welcome here? Is the Holy Spirit welcome in you? Is the Holy Spirit welcome to intensify your desire for God in your life? I hope so. That's what that song's all about, right? Holy Spirit, move, make it, adjust my life so that it is the way that it ought to be because I'm following Him, I'm guarding Him. When we look at this concept, as far as I'll go tonight, we'll get the next part next time, but when we look at this concept of the roads and we look at the concept laid out for us in Deuteronomy chapter 30, I want you to understand that this road is not a road from cradle to grave. This is a road to eternal life or eternal death. 
So the call to get wisdom, to hold fast to the things that God has given us, to, to treasure those things, to allow God to bring life. You know, because the reality is when I look at those things, even when I've had, I've had some unique opportunities in some of the places uh, that I've been able to minister, to, to share with people who have a different opinion than the opinions that I have. But, but I can defend mine. Because my worldview is biblical. I have some place to go and say it's right here. Now they can say, I don't believe the Bible. Well, that's not my problem. That's my worldview. Now, how do you defend yours? Oh, your own reasoning? Because by that, guys, just so you know, maybe you don't like Antifa or however you say them. But if they get might, do they make right? I don't care how many of them there are. Picking in, right in, or beating people with a pipe. It doesn't make it right. How do I know it's not right? Because it's in direct violation to God's word. Bam. Settled. Finished. There it is. God's word lays out for us wisdom. This last section that we're not going to look at till next time is all about avoiding the way of the wicked. Avoiding the way of the wicked. So... The call through this whole chapter. There's two roads. The way of wisdom. The way of the wicked. One leads to life. One leads to death. We'll see next time. One leads to ever increasing light. One leads to ever decreasing. Or ever increasing darkness. So God declares to us just like he declared to those guys in the valley a decision I've laid it before you two roads choose life choose life amen why don't you stand with me let's pray